and I'm ready. So come on, baby. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Feminasty. I'm Kate Harding, and my co-host Samita Mukapadai and I are here to talk to you about maintaining momentum, avoiding burnout, and surviving Twitter in the Trump era. Over the next several weeks, we'll interview other nasty women like Anna Holmes, Miss Eves, Sarah Benincasa, and more, including today's guest, our friend and Justin Trudeau's Liz Plank. Please hit subscribe and join us virtually or join us in person as we tour the U.S. in support of our anthology, Nasty Women, Feminism, Resistance, and Revolution in Trump's America. Check out nastywomenanthology.com for tour dates and more information about the book. It's all right. First episode. Let's do this. Samita, tell me what you've been up to lately. Okay. I did not sleep last night. I was (laughs) online because Hugh Hefner died. And uh, yes, man, did Twitter show its ass last night? <laughs> well put. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was up way too late doing it, too. And we both know this because we ended up constantly tweeting at each other because people just it was astonishing that people were just immediately hand waving away everything he did to just promote misogyny in every way possible that he became a billionaire by exploiting women literally and objectifying women literally literally like i I mean the fact that he is an old white male billionaire somehow wasn't bothering anyone on the left to begin with and then the fact that he did that by selling images of naked women who weren't making the kind of money that he was on it and and mainstreaming porn culture that had been a little bit more hidden before that like All of that was just swept by the wayside because, you know, we're supposed to see him as this fucking civil rights leader now. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what was most shocking to me. I I, I think the benefit of the doubt that, um, you know, we're willing to give men when they the most, you know, it's kind of like the elephant in the room is that, you know, yes, he did a couple of things that stood out in their moment. Right. Like he went out against kind of conservative um, you know, ideas about sexuality and he did stick up for civil rights activists and he kind of did all of this stuff, but it was not, you know, but his greater kind of purpose and his greater mission was really bu- building this empire on naked ladies and, you know, people that, and it's amazing to me how much, you know, and, and I know you tweeted this and I, I kind of wrote something similarly of how we're, you know, we're so willing, like we destroyed Hillary for not being perfect but how much right. we're willing to excuse someone like Hugh Hefner, who is literally the patriarchy. Like, he is the definition of the establishment. <laughs> exactly. Like, we were supposed to, um, you know, with with Hillary, every time you talked about her, you had to talk about how flawed she was. You had to say, well, she's not perfect, as if we need to say that about every single human being we talk about. We can't just, like, take it as read that nobody's perfect. Um, you weren't allowed to talk about her without that disclaimer that really she wasn't so good. But Hefner now, you're not allowed to talk about what he did to our culture and to women because he, you know, and and honestly, kudos to him for getting out there and giving work to uh, to people of color who were not getting work from similarly large publications at the time, supporting some like African-American comedians. Although then the flip side of that is that he was also accused of helping Cosby drug and rape women or at least one woman. Sorry. Um, and 
so and that he was you know out in front on LGBT rights. But the fact is that even though basically the best Hefner deserves is a cookie for not fucking those things up when most people were fucking them up. Yeah. And what you know now we're acting like he was out. I mean, it's like talking about Bernie marching with MLK, like you know. Because, oh, did a white guy show up and do the right thing in the 60s? That's supposed to undo everything else that his legacy has done. Yeah, no, I mean, I, th- I think he really, the thing that we really need to be giving him credit for is re- building the infrastructure upon which co- porn culture really grew, right? And, you know, when you look at, like, compare and contrast to the images and even when, you know, Playboy television um, became a thing like yeah it was much more focused on softcore porn it was like a little bit more palatable than some of the hardcore stuff that you can get on the internet now which is completely unregulated um, you know people's labor rights are violated we like all kinds of laws are <laughs> violated right yes. um, and you know and I think has probably you know whatever we're not gonna like relitigate the feminist porn wars right now as you as you said on Twitter yeah, last night but like, oh, like we don't need to we don't need to go there right now but right. I do think he kind of made that social acceptability and everybody else jumped through the hoop right and yeah and that's that's what we really need to be giving him credit for is that like thanks a lot Hugh like now you need to like have big boobs and a big ass and blonde hair to be considered hot in America and like he's the perpetrator of that image and you know who wrote beautifully about that long before he died was nasty women contributor Karina Chicano, who I have um, her book, You Play the Girl, that just came out. Uh, Playboy Bunnies is in the subtitle, which I don't have off the top of my head. But she um, one of her first essays in that book is called Bunnies. And I want to read a quote from it that is so right on to all of this. Before Hugh Hefner came along, porn was furtive and hidden. After Hefner, it was everywhere. Mainstream, pop, classy, cool. Hefner considered that his big innovation was realizing that Playboy wasn't actual porn so much as lifestyle porn. He wasn't selling pictures of girls. He was selling a particular male identity via consumption of girls as consumer objects. And that's the thing that gets to me about it is not just that, you know, he helped set these unrealistic Eurocentric beauty standards, but also that he really helped create a mainstream culture of women as consumables. Yes. Um, but according to my Twitter feed, uh, he is actually responsible for the sexual revolution, um, which, you know, it's like, it's ridiculous. And I, you know, I went to bed so angry, but the more I think about it, it's it's almost sad that people feel that the mainstream of pornography is what the sexual revolution is. It's um, incredibly sad. Which, incredibly sad. yeah, you know, and that's and that's why we that's why we're never retiring, Kate. Right, I know, and it, well, it's what kills me too. And this is, uh, you know, I feel like such a grumpy old lady, which I mean, I am, but. Uh, Like, I'm much younger than the second wave. I am third wave, but I still can see, like, what those feminists were working for was, like, specifically objecting to this kind of objectification of women. And it's like, no, the sexual revolution came about because of the pill. And then because feminists started sending the message that, like, women deserve to have their own pleasure and to know their own bodies. And the idea that Hugh Hefner deciding that he could, you know, put 
interestingly written essays next to pictures of naked women and sell that and be seen as like classy like gentleman porn instead of something that was seedy and underground up to that point like that has absolutely nothing to do with the sexual liberation of women yeah yeah. So, you know, we're, we're both pretty heated. I think the one thing we didn't do last night, but what we're going to talk about on today's yes. podcast is unplugging um, and the importance of unplugging when we're in these times where it's so easy to get triggered um, when you're fighting with people that um, are, you know, whatever. We could say disagree with, but I think what we really mean is wrong. People who are wrong on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> And we're messing up our sleep and we're not eating our meals because someone is wrong on the internet. Like, it's literally affecting our health because I get into this loop where I have to just, like, keep refreshing Twitter and then going over to Facebook to talk about it where I've got my filters set more that I'm only talking to friends. But even then, some of our friends are are making these arguments. And um, I just, I couldn't stop looking because it was just, like, bad take after bad take after bad take. Literally, it was like a bad take cycle, news cycle. Um, well, we are joined today by one of my really good friends um, and just such a vibrant and present um, social media kind of presence, um, Elizabeth Plank. Um, she is such an accomplished young woman. Oh my gosh, she's, <laughs> she's so amazing. A, she's so amazing. She's a senior producer and correspondent at Vox Media, um, where she just um, launched a new podcast called Divided States of Women uh, that I was actually on last week, so you should definitely check that out. Um, and she's also the uh, host of the award-winning series called 2016-ish, um, where she interviewed Justin Trudeau. Um, everyone else on this list doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, she's like besties with Justin Trudeau. Yes, um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and um, she, before that, I had actually met her, um, I met her through feminism many years ago, but we actually overlapped a little bit at Mike, where she was a co-creator of this amazing video series called Flip the Script. You should definitely check it out. Um, and she is here to talk to us about um, how to unplug when you're so plugged in. I was thinking it'd be cool to talk to you about um, one theme that we had around just like ma- like self care is unplugging um, and kind of like you know you as someone who's so kind of networked and so not just networked but like you have such a big social media presence like and you and I did another interview about it recently I know about like how to maintain your online presence but also like taking space for yourself because mm-hmm. like there are times when I'm like is Liz okay right now like this is very <laughs> difficult like not okay like not. <laughs> Posted like twenty selfies. Yeah. Like it, no, no, I no, not even, not even that way. Where it's like, it's like so clear. Like, yeah, I do that. I yeah. actually, my best friend posted um, like sixteen Instagram stories in a row of her baking uh, over the weekend, <laughs> making this bread, and I was like, "You okay, sis? Like, are you? Yeah. Do you need?" Some- <laughs> 
She was like, no, no, I'm having a great weekend. And she's like, she was going through a breakup, and I actually was just like, I, I, I'm worried. But then yeah. it was just like, she was baking, and I was like, oh, I'm here lying on my couch. Yeah. Eating seamless. Maybe I'm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the things help. that don't yeah. make it to social media. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is most seamless of Saturdays. Yeah, or seamless like every day. Yeah. Like that's pretty much. Um, what happens. Well, so why don't you, um, Kate, if that sounds good to you, why don't we start with, like, sure. the night of the election and, like, how you felt that night and, like, at what point, what point did you, like, finally take a break? Me? Uh-huh. Um, when did I take a break? I don't actually think I took a break yet. Um, and I, but, but I think I did get better at blocking out the world because after the election, it was just, like, uh, Re- just reality was sort of difficult and I um, really like to numb myself and avoid things um, but it became sort of a uh, question of survival to numb myself with things that like could distract me from um, the very real pain of what was going on in the world so um, I highly recommend The Bachelor um, <laughs> I, I covered The Bachelor uh, over I basically like stayed in on the fur like during during New Year's and it was like 24 hours to Nick and I was like who's Nick what's what is this and then it was the the, the day before the bachelor premiered and I watched it and I totally <laughs> zoned out and I did make myself feel bad about it and then I tuned in the next day and then it was this like Monday tradition that I had with my boyfriend where it um it basically got me through like the Sunday scaries of like knowing I was going to go back to work on Mondays and like have to read the news and like yeah. get immersed in that and it was just like an escape Truly, uh, and it was just bad. It was garbage TV. Was my best escape, and I just didn't <laughs> myself feel bad about it. Yeah, I have listened to every true crime podcast that oh. is currently available, basically <laughs> since the election. That's so much better, that is, Kate. Yeah. That's so oh, hardly. It's wish horrifying. It's terrible. Yeah. I wish I never. But I finally before. realized. Yeah, that I'm just looking for, like, good guys and bad guys and stories that have a beginning and middle and end about good guys and bad guys because I can't stand actually living, like, with encroaching evil and not knowing what's going to happen next and how it's going to end. Right. That's, like, Kate and I, like, put ourselves into this book. Like, that was, like, how to kind of numb. (laughs) Also that. Yeah, like... (laughs) And, like, feel productive about, like, what we were doing next. So, like, so how have you managed? Like, do you unplug? Yeah, I mean, I always have unplugged. Like, I'm airplane mode is, like, my best friend. Um, I use it every night um, and, like, will not just, like, when I go to bed, but I try and do it actually before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. So I have, like, a little bit of time without screens. Um, I, like, am known to do it on the weekends, too, and just, like, not constantly have notifications. Like, that's just, like, an assault on your, like, yeah. <laughs> mental health, even yeah. when the world is not uh, imploding. Um, and, and yeah, just, like, uh, the other thing that, that I did was just not um, – hold myself like responsible to fix the world <laughs> because right. I think a lot of us were like I, I must do something I must save you know this um uh, like I, I you know sort of a, a, a feeling that you need to get involved in every single thing that's happening and what I tried to do was focus and focus on one thing I can do or one thing I know a lot about that I can help uh, with instead of trying to show up to every pro- to protest yeah. and every rally and support every cause and pro- you know, uh, I think that's the whiplash effect of that for progressives. Um, I think was really hard and it's really hard to choose things 
to, you know, yeah. sort of mm-hmm. spend your energy into. But I'll, but again, like, don't feel bad for doing that. Um, yeah. And, and again, you know, we often talk about self-care as like, I'm going to get a pedicure and I'm going to get a manicure. And like, but it's also about focusing on what you're doing for other people. And, yeah. and, and that in that in those moments, you feel rejuvenated and you feel revitalized and you feel um, like what you, the energy that you're putting in is 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 coming to something and there's a result and that just like keeps you going. Yeah. No, just thinking about that, that um, the unplugging, I'm so impressed that you actually do use airplane mode all the time because I am That's terrible. Awesome. I, I mean, on the one hand, like I'm not working in the media where I don't have to have all of the notifications all the time. And what I did do was take news notifications off my phone very yeah. quickly after the election and the, the women that I was working with, all of us were just like every conversation we have would be interrupted with, oh my God, something else right. horrible and unprecedented just happened. And so we were able to kind of take those off, but I find myself just refreshing. And when I unplug, I'm so happy now. Um, Cause you know, in general, like I love my screens. Thank you. Like I love the internet. I love all of this. <laughs> I love having a smartphone. Um, but what I find is that being able to focus on one thing is just so like mentally relaxing to me. If I decide to, you know, turn off my Wi-Fi and work on an essay, or if I decide to actually read a book instead of just the kind of constant like checking social media. Yeah, nasty woman's really good. <laughs> I heard that. Yes, <laughs> we actually support reading books on this podcast. That yeah. is we do. Yes. Um, and, and it's terrible to me as a lifelong reader that, I mean, I read all day, but it is so much just like, I followed a link from here. I followed a link from here. Um, and hardly ever that, you know, wonderful moment when you can sit down and like engage with somebody's thoughts in a long form. Um, and Nasty Women is a perfect blend of that because you've got <laughs> essays, <laughs> but you can engage with 23 of us. Um, um, but no, not to just keep plugging. So. Yeah. Um, so I I love what you're saying about like giving yourself a pass on feeling responsible. Um, I think that that's like a gendered experience, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think yeah. as people that like didn't learn about feminism on November 9th and like have been committed to this work for many, many years. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've known you for a long time. I've known Kate for a long time. Like we've all known each other for mm-hmm. a long time. Um, like talk about that a little bit like that, that like, because because what I felt on election night was like, I tried, y'all. Like, 20 yeah. years, I gave my life yeah. to this. Like, you didn't want it. You didn't want it. And, like, for me, I, like, almost walked away. Like, I was, like, yeah. internal. Apparently, like, one of the writers in, at the Mike Newsroom was like, yeah, Samita, you came back from the Javits Center and you said everything I worked for was meaningless. Oh, I was like, no. oh, that's the worst management I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, brilliant. Like, for 48 hours, oh, it's like, God. I was a hot mess. And, you know, so, like, Talk, like, you know, talk a little bit about, like, I think, like, how you have given yourself the space to really... Yeah, I mean, I the, I was at the Javits Center, and I, I call, uh, called my dad crying in the corner, and as, like, people were, like, literally vomiting in the bathroom. Like, it was just, like, not a great uh, scene. I can't believe we didn't see each other. I know. It was sad. I feel like we should have. That would have been a good time yeah. to hug. Um, you could have vomited together. Oh, my God. Good <laughs> hug. And, and I called my dad, and I just, like, broke down, and my dad was, like, you know, Lee, my, my parents call me Lisa. He's like, Lisa, it's 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 not the end of the world. And I was like, no, no, that's what you told me when I would like fail a math exam. Like, it yeah. is the end of the world. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is the end. <laughs> and like, 
this like I could not be consoled basically and so yes like I felt very similar to you where where I, I just our whole world was flipped over right but then I also try and think about the moment in time that we are in right now and how the silver, like, I'm a silver lining kind of person. I mean, I get super depressed and, like, whatever, but I try, I do try and find those silver linings. And I think the very clear silver lining for me um, and the one that I focus on is that we are now seeing all of the ills, like, all of the things that we've been fighting uh, against are now, like, so clear to a point where, like, everyone has been saying, but, like, if it what there was a script... It would be too on the nose, right? Yeah. Like sympathizing with neo Nazis. Like, are you fucking kidding yeah. me? Like, <laughs> right? Everything we could have imagined would happen is worse and more clear, yeah. and like to the yeah. worst extreme that you can, you know, ever imagine. And so, you know, when it comes to women's rights, when it comes to yeah, transgender people, like, I, I like have like goosebumps thinking about all of these awful things that have happened over the last few months. But at least we all fucking see it yeah. now, and at yeah. least like no longer hidden and we can be like that that is bad and we are going to have a public conversation about why that is bad and we are going to let everyone speak and then we are going to realize how bad that is and how where where we need to be that's not where we are right now um so that's what i try and think and even you know when it comes to men like when i you know i've been wanting to talk about men and masculinity for and as many feminists have for a very long time and donald trump is the epitome of 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 of, of toxic masculinity yeah and how masculinity like just like all of the worst things that happen when you give men so much power for and and power that they don't earn for doing anything um and that you let that power go unchallenged um we are seeing that unfold and so i'm just hoping that then we have like this amazing moment after this where we realize we never want to go back to that yeah yeah, but I'm, I'm optimistic about it. I, I try not to I'm optimistic, optimistic, too. I mean, I, I'm actually optimistic also about that. Um, but I do think that optimism is, like, so important to stay resilient. Because yeah, you kind definitely. of can't let, you know, like, if you just read the news every day and you don't feel, up, like, have some avenue mm. for optimism, it's just, it's, it's dark. Right. And choose yeah. when you, you know, I think, Kate, your uh, point about taking off news notifications is really important. Like, choo- it's like with email or anything. Like, ch- it's choosing when you, you are connecting with this world <laughs> and, like, the news <laughs> and, and, and choosing moments when you're not. And, and you having control over that, I think, is also really important. Yeah. So that, yeah, you're not out. Like, this would happen to me constantly, as I'm sure it happened to everyone listening. You're out, you're having a great time, and then you get that notification that, like, this horrible thing has happened, and it just fucking ruins. And, like, I could have learned this, like, two hours later, when, yeah, like, I was, yeah, like, yeah. not, like, yeah, sipping yeah, yeah. margaritas and having a great time. No, I know. Um, so I it's, know. like, selecting and then choosing when you're not. And I'm old enough to remember when we only got the news a couple times a day. And, yeah. like, yeah. It, it was okay. That was plenty, actually. Yeah. And and trying to remember, you know, trying to figure out how to get myself back to that. Because it does feel so yeah. strange and, like, I'm really missing something. And yet, it doesn't actually matter if I tweet about a thing at the same time that everybody else is tweeting about yeah. a thing. Like, yeah. it, it really has kind of pointed up for me how... Um, how little I can do just as kind of a person who's engaged with the news in the way that I have been for the last several years that it's really, we were talking to Pamela Merritt earlier about um, on a different episode uh, about getting into like local politics and trying to make those 
policy changes at the smallest local level that Mm -hmm. then kind of float up. And it's like, this has really driven home to me that that is the way to make change more than just kind of like angrily tweeting. And I mean, angrily tweeting is great. I do it literally every day. But but it's... it feels like everyone's just yeah. like competing for the best viral yeah. tweet. Sarcastic. Yeah. Like, <laughs> meme like yeah. It's not I'm so witty yeah. in this awful time. And it's and it does feel like a good outlet. Like it and I do it in some ways to remind myself, you know, I was very afraid immediately, you know, watching Trump and all of the kind of precursors to authoritarianism that, that are there. And so far he hasn't done a single thing to suggest that that's not the direction he's moving in. Um, but like right after the election, I was suddenly circumspect about what I was tweeting and like, oh my God, am I going to get thrown in jail for, you know, shit talking the president on Twitter? And now I'm much more like, well, go ahead. You know, that it, it still feels like that's one of those tiny ways to assert that we still do technically live in a free country with a constitution that has a first amendment is to be able to like quote tweet Donald Trump and be like yeah. <laughs> lol will- you're an idiot <laughs> yeah. I, I, as a segue to that when it comes to self care I forgot to mention the very a huge uh, thing that happened for me that was great for my self care is Donald Trump blocking me on Twitter yeah. was <laughs> I saw that. Now congratulations all of quote come up is just like tweet unavailable tweet unavailable yeah. and I'm like oh you're yeah. Like, it's great. Yeah. It's great. That's kind of amazing. That's, that, like, yeah, that's, that's a blessing, yeah. really. Yeah. Listening to this podcast, which I'm sure you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think on that, like, also for you, I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, what does it take now for a woman to run for president? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think you as a woman in the public eye also, um, you know, the kind of like negative attacks, right? I mean, even like when we saw like Hillary's book coming out, like no one can just like let it live. Right. Like yeah. it's like, right. how dare you? How dare, dare you, you write speak. a book yes. about the right. thing that only you have ever done right. yeah. in history <laughs> ever? <laughs> how I dare you? you. <laughs> um, but how do you, like, I know you probably get a ton of attacks um, for being so, so feminist. Uh, <laughs> so, and feminist. So, so feminist and so public. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you manage that, like, as part of your kind of unplugging and self-care? Like, I just, like, I'm, like, this is so basic. Like, I don't read the comments. I don't uh, read uh, my mentions on Twitter. Like, it just is not helpful. Um, and, 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 again, like, I just, I'm, like, take it for the team. I'm, like, this is, I, what I'm experiencing is so small on the scale of the things that we're all fighting for. Um, and... And yeah, I'm, I'm lucky that no one has like showed up at work with like a knife or whatever. Um, but but yeah, like I mean, I did a show at UCB about men actually and uh, Donald Trump uh, and this like four, probably 14 year old guy, like in the comments was like, "I'm gonna bring a, a, a gun." Right or like oh said yeah, and then I was like, okay, yeah, now I have to like email UCB and like uh, go through all of these fucking hoops because like you it like you're not gonna show up, I'm sure, and nothing's gonna right. happen. But like you now have this like power because you're an idiot with like a phone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like it's bad for women, um, and it's not like fun uh, for for me. But but I just try and like what like brush it off like Mm -hmm. I'm just like that's part of the job and like fuck you I don't care I'm gonna keep fighting and like piss you off (laughs) even more by like not giving a shit that's right 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 Kate do you want to ask our final Uh question 
Yes. Uh, Liz, what makes you a nasty woman? Oh, oh. oh my God, I love this question. <laughs> a nasty woman. Um, I think it changes all the time, but like I would say that right now, um, what makes me a nasty woman is um, something that my friend Lindsay Taylor Wood always tells me, which is stand in your power. And I think about that all the time uh, at work or in my relationships or just like with like an asshole at line in, at a lineup in a bodega, like stand in your power. Mm. And that is, it becomes really easy and simple once you do it. And it feels really good. It feels so nasty. <laughs> it feels good. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I do, too. Stand in your power, Liz Plank. Yes. Stand in your power. I'm just trying to keep up with you two. I'm very excited about this book. Come on. Really. So fucking awesome. Thank you so much. And we're so excited to see your new series. Yes. All right. Thanks for listening to our first episode of Feminasty. Hit subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating or a review. That would mean so much to us. And don't forget to click the link in the show notes and check out our new essay collection, Nasty Women, with essays from amazing feminist writers like Rebecca Solnit, Cheryl Strayed, and Samantha Irby, available wherever books are sold. See you next week!